this episode of the Writing Hub podcast. We're really excited to have the Just Math team, and they're going to be talking about how they prepare their students as we're approaching a summer exam series, and what they're doing slightly differently as we're approaching the first exam series in a, a couple of years. So, welcome everybody to our podcast. We're joined today by Chris and Mel from Just Maths. If you'd like to say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Expect <laughs> anything less than you, Chris. So, first cool. of all, if you'd like to introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do, who'd like to go first? I think Mel's pointing at Where's me. Mel's pointing at you, Chris. Yeah, well, I'm Chris Seeger, uh, part of the team at Just Maths. Um, but more important, it is more importantly, it's it's what started it everything off. I'm a maths teacher, um, maths teacher. At, am I allowed to say where I work, yeah, yeah, Mark? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we we're both at the same school, both at North Bromsgrove High School in Bromsgrove. And how many years have I been teaching? Started training in two thousand and two-ish three-ish around then it all blurs into one doesn't it um that school that we that i worked at at that point very quickly promoted became the head of department but i suppose the big credit or the big thing that happened whilst at that school we became the most improved school in england um as a school and obviously the english and maths results form heavily around that uh, judgment and the results that go into the uh, the pot that helped the school on that journey moved to another school head of department and we and i'll let mal when she introduced herself say how we bought together um but went on to ulster academy and we won the maths team of the year um in 2014 15 in fact hold on hold on no 2016 there it is for listeners at home chris is currently showing me the trophy mel do you want to introduce yourself yeah i don't have a trophy um so i joined it's here yeah thanks um he i joined the school where seager was had just been appointed head of department um as an nqt joining coming into teaching late in my career um i was quite nervous for my interview so i rocked up to my interview there was me and another gentleman up for the interview. I was the only one that turned up with a bag of Tarsia pieces for my interview <laughs> lesson. The other guy asked for his worksheet to be photocopied. And then, funnily enough, I got offered the job. So that shows how desperate they were. <laughs> um, but the one thing to see, for Seeger's credit, and when people call him Chris, I have to literally look around because I've never called him Chris. And I find it weird. Um is that the one thing that we was a, he was able to do was develop the team. All of the, the talent or the, the teachers within the team were all at NQTs. Um, we developed our own methods, our own systems. We weren't beholden to the old guard of we used to do this, we've always done it that way. Um, and everything was up for grabs. It was like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's try it. No, that didn't work. Let's try it. Let's do that um, or try it a different way. So then we moved together to Ulster Academy. Um, that was an interesting move. Who poached who? And did you, did you, one of you? We both went together. Yeah. Just both, was... yeah, both wanted to go for the next challenge. Yeah. Both went, spoke to the uh, head teacher, applied and uh, 
took us took us both there was there was two jobs it wasn't uh they were making something there it was yeah it, it all fell into place and then i moved um after about three years to do some sle work mm-hmm. um and an opportunity came up so i did some off, uh, sle work in birmingham and then this school we're currently ha- at the entire maths department left and went the school went into special measures yeah and as part of the SLE work, I could see that it was a great opportunity to make a massive difference. Yeah. Um, but it was probably, so it was the third time I'd gone into a school of challenging circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire maths department was new. And again, the team here now were brilliant. But within 12 months, we've come, we came out of special measures, which only 12 schools have done in the last eight years. Um, and we're now on that school improvement journey to prove that we're good Mm-hmm. Um, and don't require improvement anymore. So it's it's interesting times. It's tough, but Sega decided he wants to have a bit of the fun and came over to join us. It was either that, or I felt I couldn't do it on my own. <laughs> you you are very much the uh, the powerhouse together. So tell if well, I think I think Mark, it's a bit of FOMO on my part. It's the, afraid of missing out. <laughs> And I just think that there's an element of me that sees myself as his wingman, whereas he's the superhero, I'm the, the sidekick. And it's, all, <laughs> it's always been that way, that when he's having a great day, he pulls me up. When I'm having a great day, sometimes he might not be. And I actually I, think that's crucial for any maths department, that you've got someone in there that does that for you. Or any, any, any department or any, any team. Yeah, I fear the day where we're both suicidal because <laughs> we will literally be, right, let's go, let's do it together. <laughs> or where we've both had well, enough. There will be somewhere in your department that will pick you both up and then maybe yeah. there'll be a third person to just maths. So tell us a little bit about just maths. You know, if someone, someone who hasn't seen it, how did just maths come about? What would you say is its primary purpose? It was it was back in 2011 ish. Mm-hmm. Must have been about 2011, wasn't it, Mal? Where we were we were putting resources together and talking and developing something that was really supporting what or a package that we knew was working to try and really get the, as many grade C's through the door back under the old GCSE. And when schools were asking what we did or how we did it, it was actually it was quite hard to explain what we were doing um, and the package and the support we were, we were creating for, for our students. And we put in this thing together, created Just Maths, and the, the, there is a third person with Just Maths, and that's Fies, um, and he's very much the IT and the, the system behind it. So there's three of us as part of that crew. Yeah. But yeah, it's... It, it's it's almost like this gold mine of everything that's in here and mal in there. Yes. Oh, sorry. I'm forgetting people are going to listen to this in cars and all sorts, aren't they? And I'm literally up in my head, up in Mal's head, of the that that journey that we're taking students on to try and get and maximise the grades out of. So it's a bit of absolutely everything, just maths, that started back in 2011, 2012. Yeah, yeah it started off very much an intervention package about what topics do we need to teach. Um, and I always joke about being an exam monkey, getting them over that finish line. But then as when you think about running a department, that it's like a three-lane motorway. 
that if all you ever focus on is your year 11s and you're doing 120 miles with those, you're never going to stop doing that. And then that's where you lose staff, your churn goes through the roof. And to Seager's credit, we've always had a great team around us when he was running as head of department. Um, and we've got to make sure we, we hold on to the staff we've got. Yeah. So we had to think about, and we would always had a formal scheme of work about we've got to speed up in year seven, eight, nine, and ten, and slow in order to be able to slow down at year eleven because we cannot. It's unsustainable constantly intervening. So we've had to, to formalise what we were doing. So rewriting our schemes of work for the working towards, the working above, the crossover as it came out with the new GCSE. And we were really nervous with the new GCSE, weren't we, Seager, about, well, where are we pitching it with our students? And then to go into that new GCSE, we'd moved school um, a couple of years before, got some really nice results. And then I remember thinking, all we want is a seven in front of it. We'll be happy with a seven and then to pull out like 88%, four and above um, the first year was, was just phenomenal to show that we'd pitched it at the right place. Yep. Um, which and it's interesting watching people talking about the crossover and what is it's almost become this thing now that I, I see Pearson have got the crossover papers yeah. um, and it has become but that came from us developing something focused at the grade, the grade three four five and at this time of the year you know end of March early April it's that it's that hardest decision for heads of departments you know of those those students in the crossover where do you where do you put them um have you got any advice for people on that one because that's you know we haven't had exams for a couple of years we've got new heads of departments that have never been through this before what would kind of be your your best advice for that well i think the, the best advice is that is not to stress about that element of it for as long as you possibly can right you the content that's being delivered in the class which is that crossover content wins every single time mm -hmm. to I know we have to worry about things of, of the, the assessment part of it when we're at mocks or even say Easter when you're starting to do your entries for the for the GCSE. But if that content is right and the students are getting the best diet for their um, their aspiration, for their targets, for their I don't want to say ability because everyone's got the ability to do what they want, but that is right for the students and we have what we call a super group of 55 56 i think on one half of the year that are following the the, the crossover scheme of work whether we're talking higher or foundation there's still kids in there now that we don't know we've still got doubts on yeah but because they're getting the diet that is right for regardless of what tier of entry they're going to sit and they will succeed i know there's the intricacies of a higher versus a foundation that you've yeah. got to train them for i know that but the crossover in terms of the way it's pitched and where it goes up to and for example we're doing speed distance time at the moment a bit of compound measures that's thrown in there we're pushing it up to where you've got alloys mixing in working out the volume carrying the volume on to get the alloy etc etc that's high level in terms of that content yeah that pushes so that ticks right up into the higher paper 
we build in lots of other tactics and methods throughout the year. So Mal will talk in a minute, I'm sure, about the bread and butter that she's constantly writing and tweaking to get right for our groups. But we do foundation paper challenges that we're building throughout the year. And I know just before we you press the record button, Mark, you, you mentioned our foundation paper challenges. Go on, sorry, yeah, go on. Tell people what they are. Yeah, so we've got rooks of them photocopied. We try not to use any external proper exam that we want to use in-house as a mock or in as assessment. We'll go for things like the practice sets that you guys put together or mock sets or specimens or even, dare I say, other exam board ones. <gasps> but they're all they're photocopied, ready to go. And we build it in. So, for example, we did a Saturday school Half of it was content driven. Right, let's do some. And we actually did process uh, wordy, we call yeah. it wordy questions. You know, the QWC, Mr. Weaver's Garden question practice. And then the second half, right, foundation paper challenge. Here we go. Who can get the furthest through this paper without dropping a mark? We had three teachers. To be fair, we didn't have a great turnout for Saturday school this time, but the amount of students that we have in front of us, we're running around as uh, like headless chickens, marking those papers, pay one page at a time. Yeah. And the competition is, it's just, it's it, literally no stress on it, but the, the students don't want to drop a mark early. Yeah. So we're running around and we're doing that all year. Right. I'm not saying we're doing it every single lesson we're not at all we're doing it when we've got opportunities so maybe a drop down day a saturday school a revision session in a half term but they're constantly seeing the foundation papers mm -hmm. some of these students will ultimately go on to do higher yeah. the ones that don't are preparing and practicing the start of those papers all the time yeah. the higher students are practicing their basic maths to secure and move on to the higher mm -hmm. but it means and we've just finished marking their mocks and you know what I'm doing all the time when I'm marking those mocks, I'm bothered about, and you're, I know Mal exactly the same, have they nailed page one and page two? And this is the first time this, well, this year that we've seen the fruit of that happening, but also realistically the last three years, the fruit of it, yeah. they are really cooking on those first one markers into those two, three markers. And it is a brilliant feeling, but it happens by default. And I'll tell you what, this really, Mal's already mentioned it, 2017, getting ready for that first exam under the new GCSE. And we didn't have a clue whether we're going to go higher or foundation. But we did this all year and we didn't even, it wasn't even a tactic then. We were just doing it. But it's not too late, you know, because for people who are listening, you know, it's not too late to start that kind of thing now and, and see the best. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, what's, in, yeah, what's interesting for me in terms of he's just mentioned about the compound measures mm -hmm. is that we're talking about teaching to the top ends of the group, the high, those that would end up on higher, but it really links in. So those that are real maths teach or not real maths teachers, those that are really into the pedagogy, right. it, it really links into for us that over teaching where you're over teaching a topic and our students, no matter uh, we're, like Siga said, we're marking their mocks. It's almost like they're getting marks on every question. They may not be getting every mark on every question, but they're having a go. Yeah. So our grade, and that, I think, has given us the edge over the years in terms of when you look at the, diff the national difference between the grade four and grade five, it's nationally about 20%. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I remember Siga saying, oh, I'm disappointed with my grade fives when his grade fives were like 74%, but it's his grade fours was 93%, so he got it below 20%, and I had to tell him to shut up. 
that I think that comes from the overteaching of the grade four students. Okay. And we consistently set really, really high grade boundaries mm-hmm. that our grade four students still don't think they're on a grade four, mm-hmm. that we want them to keep on doing more in their own time. And it's, it's where then we push them into that grade five, I think, is where it comes from. And if there's... We have the... Sorry, go on. So I was just going to say that we have the conversation every year with different members of staff, different team members, whether it's SLT, our department, about getting that balance right before, like Mal says, the, the high grade boundaries before they do switch off and they go, oh, I'm never going to get there. Yeah. But the conversations and the independent conversation that we have with each student and, and showing them the journey that they're going on, regardless of what the grade it triggers into, okay. And the knowledge and the building up on page one and page two being nailed, that's bigger than any grade change over three, four, five years. Yeah. It's the down to one, two mark changes every time. And just looking at kind of where we are in the year and as, as people are approaching the exams and preparing their students, what have you found that works really well? I mean, you, you've both spoken to me about regular contact with parents and not underestimating the impact that that can have. Do you, want to, do you want to elaborate about what your best advice for people at this moment is? So we're talking this moment in time that you're going to send this podcast out. So talking March, April time. Yeah. The mouth puts these together. Uh, it's part of the Just Maths um, package that, that's there. But it, it can be done by anyone, to be fair. It's a tactic that you can do. It's an amalgamation of I suppose where, let me rewind, we assume students do nothing, right? And at this, whatever time of the year, we assume they do nothing in their own time. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? Nothing in their own time. So we've got them captured from eight until three o'clock. That's what we do. We throw everything at them. We assume nothing. Mm -hmm. But what we want to do is direct for what they do do in that extra time Mm -hmm. so if we know that students have got tutors we want to direct what they do with the tutors so we know that there's rogue tutors out there um, and and send them off on what they want to learn but we like to have conversations with the tutors okay this is what we we want to do but then i suppose more importantly that we assume nothing but we do know there is a lot of support out there and a lot happens but parents need guidance too on what that is. Mm-hmm. And, and Mal's got a, a brilliant setup, and I think it's even on your own personal laptop at home, of um, students that we think are going to be on the foundation route, on the higher route, the crossover route in terms of emails for parents. Okay. And we have that set up throughout the year. And we say hello from the start of the year, but then it develops more to this point and it starts about January Mal your final countdown when you start that communication is that right yeah we um we started actually started the, the communication with parents at the end of year 10 this year because of the situation by introducing so it would have been we did produced rag papers for them where we did a question level analysis uploaded it and produced alternate papers for the kids we would never usually do that until year 11 okay and their first December mocks, but we made the decision to touch base with parents. And I send it out to our students saying that I'm part of the Seagam Downey team, or I don't teach your child, here's the contact details, but I set up those mailing lists and they then know to, um, to expect them. But in the email, it was saying, look, we understand these kids may feel they've had a tough deal, but here we are, we're doing what we can. 
So very early on, it was open that door to those parents that were open to it to say, look, look at what we're doing. We're already giving you this early. Um, but in a normal year, they would start out in January saying, right, we've done the mocks. Here's a rag paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, from January onwards, we send them. And it's three or four topics, three or four questions each. There's one for our working towards scheme of work, um, one a week, one a week for our crossover scheme of work and one a week for our working above. And it's just saying we know how difficult it is as a parent. And it, yeah. I would hate to be a parent of a 15, 16 year old. Seeger's got three coming through. He's going to be a nightmare to work with. <laughs> <laughs> Year 10, the eldest at the moment. So trying to get him ready. Um, He's on that higher foundation changeover so yeah so yeah and just email it out every week saying here's this week's list of we know how difficult it is because we used to abdicate our responsibility at parents evening going have you got them a revision guide here's one or buy one so parents just say i don't know what to do but they think maths has changed maths is maths yeah um so we send them this list um very good revision guides yeah Chris is, is currently holding up to uh, the camera a, a copy of his revision guide, which is available via the Just Maths website. Okay. <laughs> um, he do, he, do on, he, he doesn't waste a single opportunity. No, um, <laughs> and so well, all I've done this year, and again, this shows to parents that we're putting some effort into it. Yeah. And I've just said, look, I've, we've re- I've reviewed this week's package that would go out. Don't do questions six, seven, eight and nine. Okay. Um, because they're topics that won't appear on the advanced information. The response from parents has been phenomenal in terms of feeling that we're doing stuff to support them, to support their their child. Um, And I think it's really difficult as a parent to know what's the best thing to do when their default position sometimes is, let's get them a tutor. And the reality is sometimes that, yes, that will help in the vast majority of cases, but sometimes the kid has got the wherewithal to do it themselves. So, yeah, that liaison with parents, and we've always tried to have a good relationship with them so they can see that we're working as hard, if not harder, than their son or daughter to get them. I always start parents' evening saying, I'm not going to apologise for having high expectations Mm -hmm. or having high expectations both in terms of behaviour but also in terms of we're going to drag them kicking and screaming over that finish line. Whether we And Seager's heard me say that so many times. Where it is, whatever happens, I'm going to be dragging them or pushing them over that grade four, grade three, grade five, grade C borderline, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Um, and they seem to like that approach that we're there holding their hands along. And that sounds really emotional and softy and touchy and feely and no, all the other stuff. Feel that they're being supported as well as the students because it's half the it's half the, the, the element of the equation, really, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's about the relationship with the kids as well, that they need to know that it's in their best interest. So when we look at some of the kids we teach, because of the nature of the supergroup, it will be students that haven't caught on to maths or just it, it doesn't float their boats. Yep. They don't want to be there. But we're constantly trying to find ways. And, we, and I think that's why having us as team teachers, with we have, so when the days I'm not in, Sega has another colleague and we cross over when we're in there together. But having two different teachers, sometimes my way with what a student may not work. Yeah. So Seager will 
use his ways with that students. Do you think it's worthwhile, um, you know, teachers investigating swapping groups periodically if they're, if they're just down to teach? Or do you think that's a bit of a risk at this time of the year? At this time of the year, I wouldn't. I yeah. think kids don't like change. Yeah. But for us, it's about... No, they know that they're not always stuck with me, or they're not always stuck with <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Aren't they, Sigo? Would you agree? Well, it, yeah, but it also works brilliantly to with anyone or any department or any team members who are part time yeah. to to really gel. So it's it's so easy for and we've talked. We could talk another hour just on this alone. But any kind of team that you've got that are different hours, and if rather than a group having a different book with each teacher and that's an easy option isn't it we have this fluidity that just flows through and that works with our whole department now not just myself and mal's arrangement with the with the groups that we teach and that means that the, the students have the better deal not the teachers having the easier deal to have my own book my part of the curriculum or of the scheme of work so the, the students may have someone different in front of them but the work flows perfectly through and that really works so going back to your question that mal rightfully answered that way as well very difficult to change it at this time of year but bear it in mind as you're planning now ready for september definitely yeah and as we kind of go into may june time what are your top tips for people of the kind of things that, that you do and you found that work and help motivate students in any normal year and also we can't ignore the fact that you know we haven't had exams for two years you got any thoughts on that one any activity that you find really useful with students as you're coming up to exams i'm quite an old-fashioned teacher i never thought i'd say that i always thought i was very much so my revision sessions i've been trying let's give them a worksheet let's go rounds and i found that i can't bear the noise in the classroom um the boys that would go off task in a lesson if you're not on constantly nagging are doing the same in revision so it's pointless them being there so i've tried something new for me this week in terms of the, not this week this year yeah. where it is very much my revision is an extra lesson okay they might get some sweets if somebody's remembered to bring them to me if they don't the kids will remind me miss we haven't had our sweets um but i found that has been Here's one, do one, here's one, do a little one, one a little bit tougher rather than trying to do anything that's groundbreaking because kids do like, and again, it's all about context. Our students like consistency. They like to know what to expect. Yeah. Um, I think every, 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 everyone likes that though. That's a comfort blanket, isn't it? It's a human nature to, to know what to expect. And also when you walk in that room, what the standard is what the expectation is what the the person that delivering that it's important just as it's important that we're not up and down we're the same arrangement in terms of what we deliver how we deliver it but yeah so talking about what mal's saying that different kind of approach with the revision sessions but i think to answer that question mark is that it shouldn't be different at this time of okay. year. Yeah. It should be the kind of things that have been little. We talk about little and often as a healthy diet with what we eat. Yeah. It's it's just as or more important, little and often, as part of the whole package of year 9, 10 and 11. And I'm only saying it from that point of view because we are a high school that starts in year 9. Yeah. That it is built in all the time. So it isn't a scary thing. And Mal does, she knows what I'm going to say now, this picture of the worst mountain you're ever going to see. It's not even a mountain. It's an upside down V on the board. She draws it. 
this little stick man and the stick man gets closer to the mountain and the hill becomes harder to climb the closer you are to the mountain. But when you're further back at year nine, year seven for secondary schools, it doesn't look so daunting. And that's what we try and instill. So all of our tactics, whether it's a foundation paper challenge, revision sessions, conversations with parents, it happens from day one. And that buy-in just makes the whole journey up to GCSE so much easier. And I know it's easier said than done because we always think in that fast lane, year 11, year 11, and we still do, we fall into that trap as well. But a lot of our tactics, a lot of our things that we do, the red, amber, green in after an assessment, they put it in their book, they track it on their folders. That happens in year seven when we was in a secondary school all the way through to year 11. It happens in year nine through to year 11. So we try to have as many things in place from day one, not so much intervening. Thanks, guys. That's been absolutely brilliant having you on for people to listen to. And I've got to ask you a final question. I'm sorry to put you on, put you on the spot, but you know it's coming because we talked about it before the podcast. <laughs> so what, does, what does maths mean to you two? Well, for me, what's really interesting is I read my PGC folder just before I thought was looking to bin it. And I remembered on one of those things that you have to reflect on. And I I mentioned in there about um, I can't believe how much a teaching's focus is on the GCSE. Yeah. And I tell because at the time I was, I suppose I was very naive and I thought I was going to teach kids to love maths. And I think I've come at it from a different point of view that I'm, we're teaching them to love maths through being successful at it, whatever that level is. Yeah. So that's what it is for me. It's not, it's, it's a language that you teach kids a way of approaching stuff, but it does come, have to come from starting off with the success that you give them the confidence yeah. and you get them yeah. on the upward spiral. It's about stopping that. But yeah, it just makes me think about how naive I was in my very early <laughs> years as a teacher. <laughs> and Seeger's looking at me going, but you still are, now. <laughs> Go on, Seeger, what's your answer? I think it's it's almost exactly the same, but just worded slightly differently to what Mal says. I think. Oh, he's going to make you say stupid there. He's going to do something intelligent. It's going to say it's going to come from the heart. This. <laughs> no, it's. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a maths is a door for the rest of your life. Whether it's a qualification that you're aiming to get to do the next thing, whether it includes maths or not, but it's also. That, that door to get through to help out with working out a percentage reduction in a shop or make anything profit loss. It's it is it's a door for your rest for the rest of your life. That's what it is to me. Thank you guys. It's been absolutely brilliant having you on and we hope to speak to you again soon. Thanks. Bye now. Bye. Cheers. Bye.